You're listening to the Mother Good Podcast, episode number nine. Today, we're talking about friendships. And before we get into our guests and introduce her, I thought I would have a couple of my own dear friends on. So we have Laura Michelle and my friend Melissa Wetzel as well. So I've known Lauren for what has it been like four or five years? I think we we figured it out the other day. Five years already. Uh, and then Melissa, how long have we known each other? Uh, Twenty eight years. Oh gosh, we're so old. But yeah, I I thought it was perfect to have both of you on because Melissa, you're a lifelong friend, and you know we've seen obviously like the ups and downs of life and how we've changed and grown and evolved and all that. And then Lauren as like a newer friend, even though five years is still pretty long to be friends as an adult, I feel like. What are your ladies' thoughts on friendships? I guess, you know, lifelong versus more recent. And what do you think of our friendships? So gosh, lifelong friendships. Um, I think you kind of hit it on the head. I mean, as an adult, having friends for a long time is very difficult, um, especially because things are ever changing. Um, I consider if you and I are, in my own personal experience, we're pretty unique, um, especially because we still live in the same geographical area as well. Um, And I personally cannot say how much it means. Like, there's no words really describe like having a lifelong friend, Um, especially in this day and age where everyone feels that they have the attention span of a squirrel at this point. So, um, you know, I have newer friends as well. Um, some with like I just met, some within like the five, 10 year range. But like you said, I mean, we've been through the ups and downs and, um, it's crazy to think all the things that have happened. And, um, you're the only friend I've known this long that I've maintained on um, this friendship. So definitely very unique. And, uh, I definitely, I cherish it a lot. I, f- I feel the same way. I mean, Oh, Melissa, just reflecting on our lifelong friendship, I, I've just realized that, you know, we've changed so much over the years. And obviously, there's been times when we weren't, you know, as great about meeting up or staying in contact with each other. So I, I remember, especially when I was in law school, there were a few years where we I think we only saw each other like once a year. And I was like, Oh, it's my, you know, yearly check in with Melissa. But then after law school, um, we grew close again. But I, I was just reflecting how it's just crazy how, you know, you can go through periods of life where you just don't really seem to have much in common with a lot of people. For example, like when I was in law school, I was just busy all the time. And then as you get older, you realize, you know, the treasures that you have in the friendships. And I know at least for both uh, you, Lauren and Melissa, I, you know, one reason why I value your friendship so much is that there's never been any judgment. You know, I can always go to you guys and say, Hey, this is going on in my life. Like I just need a vent or here's what's happening. And you both are just always so supportive. So I think that's definitely the the best parts of our friendship is that it's just a safe space, a safe haven. And we understand each other. We know where we're coming from and there's going to be no judgment. So, I mean, those are my favorite parts. I can expand on that too. Especially because you said, um, the no judgment part. I always think, and people ask all the time, like, how do you stay friends with someone that long? Um, especially, and I also remember in high school, you and I, there was a point, because I was probably in my selfish uh, whatever phase at that point, um, we actually didn't talk for a few years, too. And then we reconnected in college, and um, I think it's, it's, I don't remember the specific, you know, day or time or how we reached out back to each other, but 
always tell people, I think the secret to that kind of lifelong friendship is the no judgment and the willingness to just listen and be able to pick up where you left off um, and not have to worry about being between, um, especially as an adult with busy lives. And I think that's kind of the key to success um, and, you know, maintaining those friendships and, um, you know, having that no judgment based on with people. For me, I think the good parts of having a close friend is that, like you said, you can really um, bounce off ideas without fear of judgment or kind of just them not understanding where you're coming from. And I think that's something that's really cool about having a close friend is that they know you and they aren't going to assume the worst most of the time, you know. Um, they're going to assume the best of you. And I think that's something that's really valuable. Yeah. It's funny you say that, uh, Lauren, because um, I feel like it's like a relationship too. You know, after a few years, there's only so much you can hide. And once you get to a certain point, there's comfort in having someone just know you. You can be your true self through the good, bad, and the ugly. So I think that's great. Yeah, speaking speaking of the bad, <laughs> I don't want to say that like, oh, friendships are all so easy. It's funny because Lauren and I were just talking about that <laughs> like an hour ago because I generally suck at communicating, but I'm working on it. Uh, and, you know, it's not it's it's basically just, you know, whether it's a relationship or marriage or whatever it is, you have to work on being a good communicator. And sometimes if you assume things that, you know, it's not obviously going to turn out that well. And, and obviously the longer that your friendship goes on, you have to be direct about that. You know, otherwise you're just going to come to a crossroads and you think, well, you know, I'm either not going to be friends with this person anymore, or I'm just going to be direct and say, Hey, you know, this, this is what happened. But I mean, I know at least with both of you, we, we all have had to do that with each other. So especially, especially um, Melissa with you, I know that, you know, when we were younger and you don't really know what's social as socially acceptable. Um, <laughs> we're, we fought a lot. I remember that. <laughs> yes. I was actually thinking about that. When you said, I think of like some of the hard times of our friendship. And I was like, man, there are some like really good fights we had as kids. Um, I remember one specifically where I locked myself in your bathroom. Like, and you're like, you're like, Melissa, don't be like this. <laughs> I know we were so dramatic. I still remember bossing you around. I think I told you what to wear or not to wear at one point. I'm like, why did I do that? I remember just what was it like a year or so ago that you're going through a hard time and you just I remember you're just really direct and you said I you know I can't hang out right now or I I can't just or I can't be in this certain situation because it was a trigger for whatever you were going through and just you being direct with that 
I mean, that was fine. Like, of course, I'm not going to say, how dare you, <laughs> you know, can't be that. But, but, you know, if, if you didn't tell me that, I wouldn't have known, you know, like, how am I supposed to know? Because I'm, you know, no one's a mind reader. So I really appreciated that. And then with you, Lauren, too, I know that since we, you know, we co-founded Mother Good together. And as in this podcast episode, we're going to talk about with our guest, um, since she, you know, is friends with her business partner as well Is like, you know, then you have the friendship, but then you also have sort of like the business side and you have to deal with that too. And I know we've had to work through some things too, just being super direct. And it's hard when sometimes you have assumptions and you didn't realize what your assumptions were and all that good stuff. Oh yeah. Something I'm kind of noticing as a common theme throughout all of this is just having courage to speak up when you feel like you need to say something either for the good of the friendship or just to stick up for yourself or even to stick up for your friend if you don't think they're um, sticking up for themselves even. So I think um, it can be difficult to do and you can you might even be worried you'll hurt the friendship by saying something that's difficult. But I think all the best friendships I know uh, even other friends, you know, people, friendships that I know of uh, have all gone through hard times, but the common theme is they're willing to challenge each other with love, but um, being having the courage to, to have those difficult conversations. Well, that's a great transition into introducing our guests for today. I had the chance to chat with Claire Mazur who founded the company of a kind with her really good friend, Erica, sort of how Lauren Michelle and I co-founded Mother Good together. And it was such an inspiring conversation with her to discover how both she and Erica both uplift each other in their personal friendship and also spur each other on in the professional aspect of their lives as well. They're also the author of the book Work Wife, The Power of Female Friendships to Drive Successful Businesses, where they interviewed many female business partners on what made their business successful. We had such a great conversation and Claire shared so many practical tips with similar themes that we were just chatting about right now. And so I know you will really come away empowered with the power of female friendships and be encouraged in your own friendships as well. So without further ado, here's our amazing conversation with Claire. Welcome to Mother Good, where we strongly believe that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. I'm your host, Emily Carney, and I'm so happy that you are here. Our conversations are positive, practical, authentic, and judgment-free within the context of evidence-based research. If you are looking for a meaningful motherhood community and ready to thrive, not just survive, you are in the right place. Mothergood is a nonprofit organization funded by our generous donors. If you like this podcast, please consider joining them at mothergoodco.com slash give. Hi, Claire. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So could you tell us about yourself? Absolutely. So I am the co-founder of a company called Of A Kind. We are a website we sell the products and tell the stories of emerging designers in the fashion, home, and beauty space. We also have a podcast of our own called A Few Things with Claire and Erica, and we um, have a newsletter that is really sort of that has taken on a life of its own. It's called 10 Things. You can sign up for it on our website, ofakind.com, and it's where we um, sort of just list off the discoveries that we make from week to week about things we're really excited about. So anything from like a 
iPhone app that we're really, you know, excited about to a recipe to a book. Um, and the podcast sort of builds on, on that style of content. Um, I started the company in 2010 with one of my best friends, Erica Cerullo. We met as undergraduates at the university of Chicago. And, um, now, uh, I guess, you know, we, so we met in 2002. So we've been friends for 17 years now and, um, business partners for nearly 10 years. Um, and we wrote a book that came out earlier this year called work wife, the power of female friendships to drive successful business. We um, have spent a lot of time working on our relationship and also recognized at some point in the business that through all the ups and downs with of a kind and that the thing that we were most proud of and also derived the most pleasure from was our working relationship and our partnership. And um, we recognized that there were a lot of businesses and companies being led by duos and trios of women. And we wanted to explore that. And so that's why we decided to write Work Wife. And in it, we interview 14 other duos and trios of of women who had either started businesses together or led businesses together about what it is that made their partnerships work and how they thought it impacted how their businesses were run and the success of their businesses. Um, and you know, it's, it's been really exciting to hear how it's resonated with other people, other women, especially it's, um, it's something we are really passionate about. We really believe that, um, sort of centering female friendship in the workplace can read, can lead to truly positive, tangible results in a business environment. That's fantastic. I want to learn so much more about so many of the things that you mentioned. So maybe we could just start off by learning a little bit more about your fashion and design website called Of A Kind. How did you get into that? And I guess, how did that come to be? Yeah, so fashion and, and design had always been a passion of mine. And I went um, to Columbia after I graduated college. I, I got my master's in arts management at Teachers College at Columbia, thinking that I would work in the arts world. And I did work in the arts world for a little bit, but um, it was a really rapidly changing um, industry at that point because I graduated from school in 2006 and by, or I graduated, I finished my master's in 2008. So it was, you know, the recession and it was really the, the thing that was most interesting to me about how the art world was evolving was the way that it was moving online and in doing so opening up access to a whole new group of artists and also collectors. So you had companies like Kickstarter and 20 by 200 that were enabling artists to put their work, put their work online, find support, find funding, find um, audiences that, that they would have otherwise had to go through these sort of traditional gatekeepers. And then this, at the same time, that was enabling people who wanted to consume art to access it in a way that they just couldn't before. Um, and so ultimately the idea for of a kind came out of that, this idea that companies like 20 by 200, who produces limited edition prints from emerging artists were doing something really meaningful, both for art enthusiasts and for the artists. And um, we saw an opportunity to do that same thing for fashion designers. Um, my work wife, Erica, my business partner, was working in magazines at the same time. And she was the one who really looked and said, you know, I think content and commerce are, are merging. I think that's the future of commerce is to have storytelling be part and parcel of it. And she was equally excited about you know, the idea of supporting emerging artists in an online space 
and said, you know, I think for this to work, there has to be storytelling because if we're going to try to get people to buy products from designers who they've never heard of, we have to give them a reason to care. We have to tell the story. Um, so that storytelling element has been a part of our company's DNA since day one, and it continues to be a very central piece of what we do. I love that. And that's so true that you're saying about the art world kind of shifting. I mean, I obviously didn't know to the extent that you just described, but just from personal experience with myself and everyone that I know, you know, it seems to be more and more women, women especially, are making purchases on Etsy or, you know, I actually just purchased a a new kid's board book myself off of someone I found on Kickstarter because I thought it looked really cool. Um, And then with social media and everything. So that's so true that I I think that a lot more people are wanting to go that online route with the storytelling and and have a story behind it as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would love to hear more about, I know I noticed that you referred to Erica as your work wife. (laughs) I I really love that term. So I would love to hear more about your friendship with Erica and what the term work wife means to you and then how she fits that description. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Eric and I met when I was a freshman at the University of Chicago and she was a sophomore. We were introduced by someone we refer to as a mutual frenemy, <laughs> this guy who thought that because I was dating a basketball player and Erica had dated a basketball player her freshman year, that obviously we would get along, um, which we look back at as so ridiculous. But we sort of got set up on a friend date in the cafeteria or the dining hall, I guess it's called when you're in college and um, and really hit it off and, and stayed good friends through college. And then um, once we graduated and, you know, our friendship has always had a little bit of a sort of... Um, cerebral intellectual bent, you know, we, we bond over the same things, you know, all sorts of friends do, whether, you know, it's our love lives and gossiping and all of that. But we had always talked a lot about, um, you know, our careers, for example, and, and, and our academic interests and things like that. And I think that created a really strong jumping off point for us to, um, pursue this business. We had never, you know, said to each other that we wanted to start a business together, but, when the idea for Avakind came up, it felt so natural that we would do it with each other. Um, and it's something, you know, I think about a lot now, like we never talked about wanting to start a business. We never, never talked about wanting to work together, but it just felt like this very obvious thing um, that we would do it together. And, um, you know, when we talk about work wife, I think the simplest way to define it is it's somebody who has your back both personally and professionally. And what's really at the core of the idea of work wife and and of the book that we wrote about work wives is that when, you know, you spend so much time at work and, you know, so much of work takes over your personal life, it's really important to make sure that your personal life can have some space in your work too. And when we can understand our coworkers as whole people with personal lives, it improves our working relationships so much. So, you know, Eric and I are a really unique, um, I think circumstance, but if you can think about just being able to walk into a meeting and say like, Hey, I am really looking forward to this meeting. And I want you to know that I really care about the project we're working on, but I also need you to know that, um, my mom called this morning and turns out she has to get surgery. And so that's on my mind a little bit today, that sort of thing really impacts how the meeting is going to go. Right. Because if you can communicate with the person across the table from you and say, I'm in a bad mood, but it has nothing to do with work. It has nothing to do with you. It's this other thing going on in my life. 
the meeting's going to go a lot differently than if you were to just not share that, right? Or maybe it's something really exciting, like, you know, I'm getting married. Just having that personal context about your coworkers, I think, is really important. And 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 uh, that that's sort of the starting point. But transforming personal context into real friendships and meaningful relationships means that you can just have a stronger working partnership that sits on top of it. Definitely, I really like that you said that. You know, it's really important that coworkers see each other as whole people. And that is absent from a lot of workplaces, at least from my personal experience. But I have read actually uh, recently this one attorney uh, who wrote a blog and she was just saying she has a similar relationship with her boss. And it seems like that those do exist out there, but it's really hard to come by and hard to establish those kind of relationships in, in the first place. No, I mean, I think one of the the places or areas of life where this idea of the work wife is the most potent is in motherhood. And certainly when we interviewed women for the book about their experiences having um, children, we were really moved by the things that came up. So, you know, the way that, that women partners were handling maternity leave with one another was really inspiring. We interviewed Amanda Hesser and Meryl Stubbs of Food 52 and Meryl took two maternity leaves um, in the early years of their business. And Amanda um, would write her an email every week at the end of every week, telling her everything she needed to know about what was going on at work and nothing she didn't need to know. And that struck me as something that was such a powerful, like really kind of revolutionary idea that was building on like, Sure. Now we, you know, most people recognize that maternity leave is a must, right? But how do we make sure that women can stay engaged and that they aren't coming back to work totally in the dark, right? How do we give them a manageable way to stay in the loop if that's something that they choose and set them up for success when they come back to work? Um, and and that Meryl could have that from Amanda, I think, I know was really meaningful, Um And conversely, when um, Amanda, when Meryl was out on maternity leave, Amanda was really struggling. Um, You know, their business was going through a really critical period and Amanda was struggling to sort of handle everything on her own. And and during a time when Amanda came to visit Meryl um, at her home, Meryl said to Amanda, I know that you're struggling and I think you should talk to somebody like I, I, I can see that in you because you're my friend and I and I know you and I, I think this is not normal. And I think, you know, you're dealing with something and I think you should talk to somebody about it. Um, And you hear those types of stories and you think those aren't acts out born out of professional obligation. Those are things that these women did for each other because they love each other and they care about each other. They're able to be vulnerable in front of each other. And there's a real friendship there, but ultimately their ability to, to say and do those things for each other makes their business so much more successful and it keeps their business together. Um, and it, we, Eric and I drew a ton of inspiration from that when I went out on maternity leave and, and since I've had a kid and have had to sort of factor that into my life. Definitely. I, yeah, I agree with all of that. And, and that's so great. Do you have any advice on women who are out there who are working and maybe they are trying to establish that sort of relationship with their boss? I mean, I, I know for me personally, um, my boss, she's female and she has two grown adults. And so, um, I've been trying to do that a little, a little bit with her without, uh, you know, going a little bit too overboard. Uh, for example, I have a 19 month old and she just started going through this temper tantrum stage. And so 
I've been thinking about mm-hmm. it at, at work, you know, during during my um, downtime or just, you know, when I'm taking a break, going to get a drink of water. And so I was walking from a meeting with my boss and, and I was just noticing that's what I was thinking of. You know, I was thinking, why is my toddler in such a bad mood recently? What can I do about it? So I just shared that with her and um, I, I just... I noticed within myself, I was just so much more relieved that I could share that with her. And she was like really receptive, you know, since she had two kids herself. And so she knows how that is. Um, but for any listeners out there who are maybe they want that sort of connection with, with uh, maybe their boss or another coworker at work, how could they take that next step? And do you have any advice for making that, that leap? Yeah. I mean, I think what you just shared is a really perfect example. Um, you know, because you knew that your boss could relate to it. It was something you were comfortable sharing about your personal life. And now you're able not only to bond over that, but she's able to have that context that that's, that's where you are in your life right now. And I think that make, that's a sort of good set of guidelines is, is, deciding what you're comfortable with, because I don't think what we're advocating is saying like, go all out with your coworkers, bear it all, let them know everything about you. Know what your boundaries are, know what you're comfortable talking about, but be willing to be a little bit vulnerable. I think nine times out of 10, when you um, show your vulnerability with someone, that's going to make them willing to do it too. Um, And it's going to soften the relationship. And so whether that's like just, you know, sharing, like you said, on a walk to a meeting, something you're dealing with, especially something, you know, that someone else might be able to relate to, that can be really important. Also asking for help, which again is a form of vulnerability, Um, you know, saying like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this thing. What do you think I should do? Or would you be willing to help me on it? I think those things can be uh, great foundations for building a relationship. I want to switch gears a little bit more and then now talk about more of the personal side of friendships with other females, because I know that we have a lot of stay-at-home mom listeners too. Uh, Do you have any advice for how to set boundaries and keep a friendship while getting, you know, closer and continuing to cultivate that close friendship? Because, you know, any friendship, if you've had that friendship for an extended period of time, there's going to be some issues that arise or uh, so, some things that are hard to talk about and you don't want to hurt the other person's feelings and you still want to maintain that friendship. And it sounds like you have a lot of experience walking that fine line since obviously on the professional side, there can be come up a lot of issues that might cross over to the, the personal side. Uh, so I would love to hear any tips that you have for maybe tackling disagreements or cultivating honesty and closeness in a friendship on the personal side, but then still keeping that friendship strong. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we discovered in our book is that women actually tend to be really conflict averse in relationships with each other. And there are sort of two explanations for that. One is that women, women on women conflict is judged much more harshly than men on men conflict or women on men conflict. And so, you know, there is just that sense of like it being judged negatively when you have a disagreement with another woman. The other issue is that women do tend to bond over likeness. So we have this sense that like, if I like a band and you tell me you like that same bond, that's a, that's a reason for a friendship, right? Or that's sort of like a supporting, um, Uh, notion of a friendship. And so the the inverse of that is if you say something and I disagree with it, 
that's seen not as just like a disagreement that we we have a differing of opinions, but we we tend to receive it as like you don't like me, you don't like something about me because we don't feel the same way about this thing. And so women do tend to struggle with conflict in that way. And you know, I think there are a couple of couple of tactics that we have come up with because certainly that's something Eric and I have struggled with. We didn't really ever used to fight. And as business partners, we needed to learn how to have conflict. Um, I think the most practical, tactical tip that I can offer is to start by just um, having that conversation either when you're on a walk or when you're in a car. So you're not looking at each other. You don't have to have that conversation face to face. It really seems to lessen this lessen the stakes and make it a lot easier. Um, you know, you, you're not making eye contact. You've sort of got something else that you're doing, and that I think can make it easier. Another thing that I think can really help is to just start with a really open-ended question, something like, hey, how are you feeling in general? Or how have you been feeling lately? Or how do you feel about X, Y, Z? That can open up the opportunity for somebody to speak about something that's maybe been a little bit more challenging for them rather than, you know, bringing up directly like, hey, I think you're pissed about this thing. Let's talk about it. Definitely. No, those are really great tips. And I assume from all the examples that you gave that they're in person, that text is not the great a great way to go. No, I don't. You know, I, I think the way that text should come into those conversations is like, hey, can we grab 10 minutes later this afternoon? <laughs> you know, I think something like that can can be fine over text. And that that can also be sort of like a smoke signal that like, hey, I kind of want to talk about something challenging, but so much nuance gets lost over text. Oh, definitely. I, I really agree with that. Uh, so I want to talk now about friendships as a mom, at least I ha- as I said, I have a 19 month old and I've just noticed that it's it's a little bit harder, obviously, once you're a mom to juggle friendships with motherhood and potentially with working if you are working. And I've noticed that some moms, it's just easy to forget about friendships or even myself, it's easy for me to just kind of put that on the back burner. Uh, so I would love to hear from you um, why female friendships are so important and why we should continue to make them a priority in our life. Yeah, I mean, for me, my female friendships have always been a really central part of my life. They are um, totally different than, you know, my romantic relationships than my, you know, even my male friendships. And I think it's in part because, you know, like any uh, commonality, gender, gender is something that is a specific experience, right? And so we all bond over the specific experience of being women and, and, and our perspectives on that. And my female friendships tend to just be really intimate in a way that that other relationships in my life aren't. And they, I don't feel judged in them. I, I feel like I can really be myself. Um, they help me feel less critical of myself because sometimes just talking about things and saying like, hey, this thing happened, um, you know, can make me feel better about it. Even if I, even if my friend doesn't say, oh, it's totally fine. Just being able to talk about it can be helpful. Um, you know, I was really nervous when I thought about having kids about how it would impact my, my relationships and my friendships. And so, um, I now have an eight month old and he, and, and over the last eight months, I have been hyper-conscious of making sure that I am maintaining my friendships and checking in on them and, um, and trying not to let that slide. And there will be times where that doesn't happen. And, and, you know, in general, I'm way less present on the group texts than I used to be, but, 
I think, you know, my friends understand that, you know, I'm probably breastfeeding if I'm not responding right away. And um, they know I'll check in again later. I want to go back to to talk a little bit more about your book, The Work Wife. Um, did, did you ever notice any themes as you were interviewing the women who had, you know, they went into business together? Did you notice any themes or advice or did they have any advice on how to maintain a friendship <laughs> amidst the business? Because I'm yeah. sure we always all have those stories of going into business with a friend and then it just doesn't work. I know you've given some tips on how you made it work, but I'd love to hear if there's maybe some overarching theme with all the moms that you interviewed for the book. We we were interested in the fact that, you know, there was there's not one right way to have a work-wife relationship, right? Um, there, everybody was doing it their different ways. Um, but there were certainly theme, some themes that emerged from a lot of the interviews. So one of the things we heard over and over was like, she's the yin to my yang. So, so many women who like were alike in certain ways, I think everyone had the same sort of set of values and sort of core values. And and there was always trust and there was always that willingness to be vulnerable, but beyond sort of those those really um, core things, a lot of women were like, we are total opposites. And and Eric and I are alike in a lot of ways, but we we are very different in a lot of ways too. And I think that that was a theme that certainly emerged. In terms of tips about maintaining the friendship, um, we heard a lot and we experienced this ourselves that you have to really work at it the same way you would a marriage. And certainly when you work together and you're friends, you have two separate relationships to maintain, the business partnership and the friendship. And so the thing that we do and that a lot of other women we interviewed do is just make time specifically for the friendship. So for Eric and I, that's often like just putting time on the calendar saying like, we're going to go get a manicure or we're going to go see a show together. Or we're going to go try out this new restaurant. Um, and, you know, for another set of work wives, we interviewed the women who run the nonprofit Radical Monarchs in, in Oakland. They start every single morning with a walk around the reservoir outside their office. And that's a chance for them to catch up as friends, you know, and I, I, I sense that work things come up in those conversations for them, but it is a chance for them to check in on each other personally every single day. For any of our listeners, maybe who are artists themselves, maybe they have a certain product. Can you talk about how the process is for selecting your items on the on your on your website of a kind if anyone is listening, who might be an artist and is thinking, hey, that, that sounds great. I, you know, I would love to be featured or collaborate with you. Yes, they can send uh, their their portfolio or their line sheet um, pictures to designers at ofakind.com. Okay, great. And then do you have any tips for submitting, um, I don't know, to, to be successful about submitting it? So our buying team looks at everything that that gets sent to that. And, you know, if the price and the aesthetic feel right for us and, you know, we have a sense that this is something our audience would respond to, that that is um, those those are the primary criteria. Okay, that sounds great. Um, So the final question that we ask every mom who is on our show um, ties into our motto, which is there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. So we would love to hear from you what an example is of a time when you realize it's okay that you weren't a perfect mom and it's even better to be a good one instead. Yeah, I mean, I think in general that's a mentality that I, I've i tried to adopt since becoming a mother just throughout 
the day and throughout all of my life choices. I mean, I, I think the question of how to balance work and, and being a mom is one where that really applies, right? Like I know that, um, I am a better mom and I am a good mom because I have interests outside of my son. And there are times where I worry that he likes the nanny more than me or that I should be around more or whatever it is. But I know that because I have, um, you know, interests outside of him and that because I have something else that makes me happy other than him, that I'm a better mom because of that. And I think that's just that balance you have to strike. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's not one single instance I can think of where, where that notion comes to mind so much as I think it's a, a daily practice of reminding myself of that. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being on the show, Claire. You know, I was just definitely inspired. And for anyone listening, definitely should pick up the book Work Wife to be inspired. And I'm sure everyone will find it useful, all the tips that you shared to implement in their life. Thank you so much for having me. This was really nice. Thank you so much again for listening in on another episode of the Mother Good Podcast. We hope you really enjoyed today's conversation. And as a reminder, Mother Good is a nonprofit organization funded by our generous donors. So if you would like to support this podcast, please consider joining our donors at mothergoodco.com slash give. 